Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. Joining us today are Natalie Cook and Erin Franks, and I'll have to tell you something about these two ladies that are both looking at me right now, (laughs) is if you've ever had a conversation with them, they have a unique ability to look you in the eye and let you know that they care about what you're saying. Mm -hmm. They are compassionate. They are great listeners. They are wise. They have great smiles, and they both have that. So I just wanted to let you know, both you ladies, I really enjoy that about the two of y'all. They also have a history of youth ministry, uh, being involved in youth ministry. Natalie is, Natalie, what's your official role title? Official role is assistant director of youth ministry. Much oh. better. I was going to say intern. I knew that wasn't yeah, yeah. right. Don't so that's call me one of those. Much more official. You have risen above <laughs> intern status. Mm-hmm. Yep. And has done a, a lot of time and investment and love on our kiddos. And we're super grateful for you. Thank you. And then Aaron Franks is married to John Franks, who... I said earlier before we started recording is the godfather. I said grandfather, actually, of youth ministry. Maybe mm. I should say godfather. That's a little bit better. Well, he's also wow. known as the pastor of fun around here. Yeah, the pastor <laughs> of fun. And if you do that, he's been doing youth <laughs> and ministry climate here control. at First Press for a long time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and climate control. And climate control. But that is no longer his official role. <laughs> However, he still has little touches on it, and we've appreciated all that he's He's done there as well, and Erin has been uh, by his side in a lot of those endeavors and now has her own teenage children Yes, definitely to enjoy. Uh, so, ladies, let's start. We always start with what we call our first things first question, and that question is what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of a favorite treat that you enjoy in the fall? So you're going to answer that question, and you're also going to tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is more of the experience of fall, probably not something I can think of like a drink or a certain type of food I enjoy, but it's the opportunity and the ability to just sit on my sofa with a blanket with the cool air and watch college football. Uh, I love that. And I don't get to do that very often, but just the feel of that even a fire, mm-hmm. um, the smell of a fire, like all of that just is, reminds me of fall. Yeah. So I really love that. Cozy time and football. Yes. Isn't always the um, way women combine those two things and your man has to appreciate that that's your idea of fun. I know. And, and I do really love that yeah. apart from him. So yeah. <laughs> y'all Georgia fans, is that right? Oh yeah. John's not. Okay. The is there anybody that family. comes in second to you or is it just Georgia? No, just Georgia. Erin, just real quick before we move on, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so you mentioned it. I'm married to John. Um, We've been married almost 22 years. And we have a college sophomore, a high school junior, and a high school sophomore. And the first two are girls, and the last is a boy. Um, I I have been working for uh, actually a member of our church that is a home builder for the last we were trying to calculate it. I think it's been about eight years. Gosh, yeah. Um, and so I'm his office manager. Mm-hmm. So it's been a great job for me. Yeah. You're skilled at that. So kind and so competent. Um, I am a treat, but I thought of soup. Specifically, yeah. the broccoli cheddar soup at Panera mm. is my absolute fave. Get it in a little bread bowl guy. I've already had several. So I definitely I just thought of soups. I love soups. Yeah. I'm a big fan of soups. And bread bowl, and it gets all nice and mushy oh, yeah. at the bottom. Love it. And mm-hmm. creamy, cheesy, tasty. Mm-hmm. 
I think for me, fall treats, what comes to mind as I was thinking pumpkin bread comes to mind, pumpkin bread and tea uh, for breakfast by a fire. Did you say that, Vanessa? I'll just say something else, Amber. Says. Okay. I, since I looked in your paper and stole yes. your answer. <laughs> Clearly, you did. She's looking at me like, huh? Wait. Really, mine. Amber? Really? Yeah. Uh, we recently, last year, we we installed a gas fireplace. We had the hookup mm-hmm. for it for several years, but we just never had logs. We just did, we didn't have it running. And I love it. I will turn on the air in order to turn on the fire <laughs> when it's October. And it's it's still something too about it. Yeah, it like, is yes. just something about it. It's worth it to it. me. Yeah. So okay, I love so, that. What about you? Yeah, so all of your answers resonated. So I'm just going to be the chameleon and just, I, I loved all of the things that mm-hmm. you're saying. I, I think I really just love celebrating the change of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and fall in particular, I like the layering of clothes. Mm-hmm. I like the little bit yeah. of a chill in the air. I like changing to the fall wreath. I like, mm-hmm. um, I do like the pumpkin bread and I like a good spice latte. I like um, the soup, but mm-hmm. I like the, um, the the squash soup. Mm-hmm. That uh, That's the fall one. I, I love that one. So, so I can just kind of like all things fall. I'm just a, I don't know. I love fall. Mm. And definitely we're SEC football mm. house. We are a divided family sometimes on the SEC football team. Wait, so you have Razorbacks and who? Uh, well, I mean, we are, we're, we're both Razorbacks right now, but Marcus okay. graduated from Mizzou. So okay. he's always a Mizzou Tiger and they've mm-hmm. just not had any good years. But we won't talk about so that. He's not much competition. Yeah, <laughs> we won't talk about that. But anyway, so yeah, so just I love all things fall. But let's jump right into our discussion on Joshua 7 and 8. If you haven't taken time to read that passage, I want to encourage you right now to stop and read the word of the Lord for yourself. Take it in and then come back and join us. But Amber, what was your impression of the account of Achan in Joshua 7 in particular? Okay, well, I'd say the first time I read through it, I was struck by what I, I suppose I would have counted as the severity of judgment in that passage and how serious the Lord was by it. And I think at the first time I thought, oh man, at the end of the day, they're stoned and burned and, you know, this, this, this monument's erected there. And, and I think that part of me that, that felt like, gosh, that seems harsh. It was my first takeaway. And then as I read it more, the harshness didn't go away, but it took on a different, I I viewed it differently um, because I saw that, yes, God does take sin very seriously, Mm -hmm. but not sort of wantonly, but not, not, not haphazardly, but he communicates how serious he is about sin and, and he stays serious about sin as he's communicating, he's going to. So with, with Akinson, what stuck out to me is if you backtrack into chapter six, Right when they are about to, when the when they are about to shout, and the walls of Jericho are about to come down, Joshua's given all these directions. They've marched around the city uh, for seven days. The seventh day, they marched around seven times, and he says, "Shout, because the Lord's given you Jericho." And then there's this pause, and he gives very specific directions. But you keep yourselves away. This is part of the directions from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them. You take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble in it. So the Lord's very specific in his direction that these things that are happening here in Jericho and the spoil, you could say, of war, they're devoted to me and you are to take none of them. If you take them, you will bring trouble, not just on yourself, but into the entire camp. And to go back and to read that thought, God was so clear. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we can think, oh, poor Aiken. I can't believe that happened to him. No, Aiken knew 
what he was doing. He knew either he didn't think God cared, either he didn't think God could see, or either he was willing to take that back into his home, into his tent, into his community. It was blatant. It was brazen. It was all of those sorts of things. And it was, we said, we're talking about this earlier. It was foolish, you know, just the absolute foolishness of sin. And so I think looking on that, I thought, wow, the Lord is never secretive. He never, he never just lets us figure it out. And it's like, oops, nope, should have known that, you know, but he's so clear because he doesn't desire for us to sin. He wants what is good for us. He wants us to be in covenant with him and to experience blessing, but he's really serious about it when we don't. Um, Vanessa, what would you say, you know, part of that, that I think a lot of us stumble on is just the fact that that judgment not only fell on Achan, but it was connected to the community of Israel and it was connected to his family. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I love the clarity of what you're saying, um, that the clarity of what the Lord is prescribing and telling them to do. Um, he was not nebulous in it at all. Mm-hmm. He had very clear instructions. Um, so, yeah, I, I love what you're saying. Uh, I think the, the consequence of the consequences of sin is it's just that sin is just never done in a vacuum. It, it always has effects beyond the one who's doing the sinning. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, he's just his own worst enemy. He just, he, he's not hurting anybody but himself, but that's almost yeah. never true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just almost never true. There is, you know, if, um, if you're in sin, then someone's affected. If it's the people who love you, but this is just magnified in the situation with Aiken in that this sin not only affects Aiken and, and ultimately leads to his death and his family death, but also before he's kind of ferreted out before the Lord puts his finger on the sin and says, no, you've got to, we've got to deal with the person who is bringing sin into the camp before that they lose a battle and 32 men lose their lives because of Aiken's sin. And so this sin mm-hmm. is, although it is Aiken who is clearly committing the sin, Aiken is a part of a community, a corporate mm-hmm. group that also suffers because of his sin. And I think we can never lose sight of the fact that our sin doesn't just affect us. Right. It affects all of those who are connected to us. Yeah. Well, you, when you think, I mean, the Lord says you bring these things that are devoted to destruction into the camp. Yes. And by doing that, you have brought something in that defiles them yes is really what happens you just don't think about that your sin actually enters into the lives of other people in a way um, that causes them to be um, exposed to that type of defilement Uh, you know even in the midst of that you do see mercy and Mm -hmm. we always see Mm -hmm. mercy i think in two ways one is i hadn't thought about this before but if you think about Rahab and the way that she was taken out of Jericho and it wasn't just Rahab who experienced God's mercy it was Rahab and her entire family Mm -hmm. that experienced God's mercy and so in the same way the Lord does tie judgment um, to us corporately and in families he also ties the benefits of faith and honors that up even in she was the one that did the faithful act and yet her family experienced the benefits of that so I was reminded of that and then I was reminded that just as clear as the Lord is and when he gives commands He's clear when we break them. Mm-hmm. And Joshua didn't realize, you know, at the beginning of chapter seven, the way that they, they know something's going on that's wrong is what you said. They were defeated in battle. They've just had this great, huge victory. Now it's this tiny little place and they go to do what they assume they're supposed to do to conquer the land. 
and they're routed and their hearts turn to water and they can't face their enemies and Joshua hits his face and they all go into mourning and fasting before the covenant and before the Ark of the Covenant and just he's like, what is going on? Why did you bring us here? Why did you do all these sorts of general like we can have those same complaints to the Lord. I do not understand this. And the Lord doesn't just say, I don't know, figure it out. You should mm-hmm. know. You know, he says, get up. This is what's going on. And this is how we're going to deal with it. And he's very clear about the solution to dealing with that. And it does come through judgment. And, and you see that judgment and it's, um, it's serious. So, you know, the Lord keeps his word. He had said he would judge it. He does judge it. That judgment falls on Achan. But as that judgment is absorbed, and then restoration comes and God's wrath is turned away. What do you think about that restoration? Vanessa? Yeah, even before getting to the restoration, the thing that I noticed, even leading up to that first loss when AI routes them, mm-hmm. um, if you look in the passage, there's a lot less back and forth uh, before Jericho, for instance. God says this to Joshua. Joshua says it to Israel. And then, you know, the, the walls fall, you know, mm-hmm. but there's this back and forth that's happening. Look at how little dialogue happens before that first battle of AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the Lord assuring them yeah, because mm-hmm. he knows that they're in sin. Mm-hmm. And so you, you almost see that there's less communication mm-hmm. with the Lord yeah. and there's less instruction. Yeah. And so they've gone on what the Lord has done in the past and not the fact that their current sin is bringing some very real consequences in their midst. Mm-hmm. But this restoration that happens uh, I love the Lord. It, it's almost, you almost feel like, cause I'm, you know, I'm a, I, I think of, I tend to think of scripture as, you know, you turn the page and then it's the next scene, you know, of a, of a good movie and this be strong and courageous. It's kind of, you almost hear the music playing because it's like, okay, the Lord has told them this before. This is how it all started. Mm-hmm, and yeah. so it's almost like, let's start again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's start again. You you have done this. You have done this horrible thing. Scripture says this outrageous thing in Israel. And now he's saying, be strong and courageous. Mm-hmm. Yes, you experienced my judgment. And I know to you and to your your human eyes, it looks really horrific and harsh. Mm-hmm. But I'm still dad. Mm-hmm. Be strong and be courageous. And then the really sweet thing that he does, I love this, that he says in verse 18, he, it's one of those many places where we see Joshua and Moses paralleled. And it's almost as though the Lord is saying, again, remember, and we'd all in chapter one, remember, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. And so he has this sweet reminder. He tells Joshua to stretch out his javelin toward AI. Mm-hmm. And now Joshua would have remembered, he would have remembered when he was the one who was battling. He was the one who was a soldier fighting um, the Amalekites. And Moses was stretching out his javelin, his, not his javelin, but his rod. Yeah. And so it would have been that it's almost like this tender moment that they're having here. It's it's you stretch out your javelin. And it was this this assurance that, yeah, we're we're good. Yeah that I'm once again going to lead you into victory, just like I have before. You can trust me. My anger has been satisfied. It's been assuaged. We're restored. You're yeah. restored. Yeah. It's not a partial restoration. No, it's, it's full. absolute and complete. Mm-hmm. Absolute. And full. Yeah. Yep. You know, when we sometimes look at the judgment of God in the Old Testament, we could maybe say, and in some ways we should say, we are so grateful for Jesus. Um, because that means we no longer experience a God who is angry over sin. But I think that that is actually an untrue statement in the sense that 
Jesus, the work of Jesus, the reality of Jesus, uh, what he accomplished for us does not mean that God is not angry at sin. It means that he absorbed all of that wrath mm-hmm. that we see there, that, that the terribleness of that wrath fell on him. And so while we don't have to fear um, that the that we take that wrath directly as believers, we have someone who stands um, in our place and absorbs that, it should never make us think that God no longer takes sin seriously. Mm-hmm. It should make us think, wow, looking at Jesus helps me see just how serious God takes sin and how deep his grace is for me. And in that, then he is just as committed to me uh, following in his ways and obeying and listening and walking in his covenant. He's given me the power and the ability to do so. And, but as believers, we know that in, in that walking, there is still those times that we sin and the Lord, even though he doesn't directly judge us in that way, he disciplines us. You know, the, the old Testament talks about, he disciplines us like a, like a father and it's never pleasant in the moment, but we're so glad for it. So that's what we're talking about now as believers. How do we experience the discipline of the Lord and how does it ultimately a grace in our lives? So can y'all describe for us a time in your life when you knew that you were intentionally sinning against the Lord, or maybe you didn't know it was intentional and the Lord revealed it to you, um, but he disciplined you in such a way that allowed you to see your sin, to repent of it. Can you describe that? And can you tell us what it was like in the process? Well, I don't have one specific moment, but I have definitely seen my own rebellion come out in relationships with people. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is um, there have just been certain people throughout my life that just weren't great for me to be around or wasn't necessarily healthy for me to be in in relationship with them, whether it was you know a friend or a guy I was interested in or something. Um, I knew that I needed to distance myself from them. And yet very intentionally, I can recall so many times that I would intentionally go out of my way to see them more um, or would even manipulate situations so I could talk to them more or just, you know, place myself in the same vicinity, hoping that they would come talk to me. And that um, felt like rebellion against God because I knew that it wasn't good for me and God wants good things for us, as we just mentioned, and knew that it was not good. And so looking back, I think the way that God often disciplined me was through his people. You know, I had other believers speaking into these situations Mm -hmm. and would ask for accountability. And even now I have women in my life who ask me about interactions with certain people. And, you know, I still, I fall short a lot of the times and my sin and rebellion is exposed and it's hard when that Mm -hmm. happens to us Mm -hmm. um, and we don't like it, but um, it's good at the same time. And it allows me to see my own sin um, so that I can have a heart of repentance and a heart of confession Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was thinking about it, and this may sound strange, but being in youth ministry, we pray that our students would get caught. Amen. Uh, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, as a, oh, as a mother, I pray yes. that prayer. Thank yes. you. Yes. Okay, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that their sin would be brought out of the darkness into the light, mm-hmm. and I should really be praying for myself more for that um, so that healing can happen and mm-hmm. restoration can happen. And mm-hmm. I think that's here where I see God's mercy and discipline he disciplines us because he loves us and he doesn't want us to stay mm-hmm. enslaved by our sin. He doesn't want us to stay there. And so I see his kindness and compassion for me um, as his daughter in that way. Mm-hmm. That's well spoken. I like how you said that. It feels like discipline the moment when someone calls you out mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, it doesn't oh. feel good. <laughs> yeah, I don't. And I'm not even really sure I want you to yeah. talk to me that way or mm-hmm. pinpoint that or whatever, yeah. but just, yeah. And even I think I experienced God's love through 
the love of his people. Like they love me. So they're calling yeah. me out because they care for me deeply, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. they know that I'm walking in sin. And so I think, you know, they know his love. And so it's just, yeah, experiencing God's love in that way too. They call you out for the point of rest- restoring yes. you or for the point of, yeah, bringing you into something good, not to shame you. Right. Right. And it does take a humility to recognize that though, mm-hmm. to allow yes. yourself to be called out. Um, I agree with Natalie. Discipline is very difficult, uh, especially when it's personal. And I think the main thing as a married woman, a lot of the discipline and um, that comes through John mm-hmm. and he's very gracious, mm-hmm. but it's just even his um, having a discussion with me about something that offended him or um, and it's always very gracious, but it is, um, it's painful a lot of times, humbling, but yet don't we know that the Lord is showing love to us because he promises us as his children that we are going to be disciplined and it proves that we belong to him. So I have yeah. to constantly remind myself mm-hmm. that that is a good thing and, um, and to help me take that well, mm-hmm. um, because it's. Yeah, I can get real defensive and yeah, especially when you're just your man telling you something. Right. Like, but oh, isn't that beautiful that mm-hmm. they are in your life a lot of times to do mm-hmm. that and that he's gentle with that even. Definitely. Even so. I I agree. Discipline is so difficult. As a parent, I can remember often as disciplining my children and I would always, you know, quote this the verse of scripture that says no discipline is good seems good for the moment in fact it's grievous but it produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness it's a lot easier for me to say that to them yeah, <laughs> yeah than yeah, to yeah. receive the lord's discipline myself and so just reminding me to be more tender in that but when i think of a, a time where i know that i was experiencing the lord's discipline was when um, we were supposed to put the children in public school and i had been homeschooling them for seven years and it was this whole ordeal, just me in transitions, guys. You guys pray for me mm-hmm. in transitions because transitioning from the corporate world to homeschool, that was a huge transition mm-hmm. because, man, I was in all kinds of identity crisis mm-hmm. going on making that transition. And then being called into uh, to take to put the kids in public school. It's like I knew the Lord. We were I, I was so clear that that's what the Lord was saying for us. Um, but the school you know, I had life all mapped out for them. I had picked private school after private school. They were supposed to go to this Christian school when they were done with homeschool. Mm-hmm. And when we, you know, uh, decided to put them in there and the Lord was clearly saying, no, they need to go to this failing public school in our community. And I was just kind of putting my hands over my ears going like, I don't hear you. I don't hear you. I don't hear you. And I remember going down to my prayer time one morning and confronting the Lord and saying, I don't know what's going on here, but but our our relationship just seems strained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> no, really, I'm, I, this is me talking yeah. to the Lord. It, it's mm. I, our prayer time seems distant. You mm. don't seem near. I I don't know what's happening, and it was just this in the pit of my stomach. You are in disobedience, and I was like. I literally laid on the floor and cried the ugliest cry Mm. you've ever seen because I knew exactly what I was supposed to be doing and what I wasn't. Mm. Uh, And the relationship, it was just, it, 
it really it felt strange it felt foreign it did not feel like the nearness and the tenderness mm-hmm. i had felt from the love mm-hmm. before the lord before and uh and i immediately ran up the stairs after after boohooing on the floor like crying so that i couldn't breathe crying ran up the stairs putting on pants and marcus is like what are you doing <laughs> putting on pants i'm going with kids in school oh wow. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was that kind of yeah. crying and so it was like that day i knew it's like i knew the lord wasn't playing with yeah. me anymore it was like go put this those time. kids in that school mm-hmm. and he was he looked at me knowingly and said yeah yeah you are well, what I love about that is it's like a retelling of Joshua's interaction mm. with the Lord, you, mm. that he complained mm. to the Lord. And the difference between complaining about the Lord, which is what Israel did in mm. the wilderness, but to complaining to the Lord. You went to the Lord and you complained. Mm. Something is wrong. And he said, yep, and I will tell you exactly what mm-hmm. it is. When you come to me, I will tell you. And Strange that it wasn't him, right? Yeah. Strange that Strange it was me. Strange that it wasn't him. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, but the Lord is just so kind. He is so kind to, um, even in his discipline, to be gentle um, because there were so many ways. There could have been long reaching consequences to that. Um, and he quickly restored me. And uh, I'm grateful for that. But we know that that's not always how it happens, that's not always the case. Uh, sometimes faith and disobedience bring far reaching consequences to our families and communities. Um, so, in what ways have you guys seen that? Have you witnessed that? Have you seen faith and disobedience bring far-reaching consequences to family, community, um, particularly through your involvement with youth ministry? Have you seen that? Let's ask. Let's ask about that. Definitely. Sadly, mm-hmm. I'll start with um, the consequences of disobedience. Um, I mean, you can talk about the consequences of a particular child. And their personal decision, which we heard from Vanessa's, maybe a personal choice, but the ultimate, the net result is not a personal mm-hmm. result. Is mm-hmm. um, It has far-reaching consequences. And then you think of, we see the other side of that as the parents um, and the choices they make in disobedience and how that affects their own children. Um, we've walked with many families through the years through just really I'm not going to spare. I'm going to spare the details, but just very difficult um, situations on both ends, where not only did it directly affect the family or the children, but it stretched out into the youth ministry, into even our community mm-hmm. at times. And mm-hmm. I know so many situations where those consequences are still there, and I don't know mm-hmm. that the side of heaven that they'll ever be gone. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's sad. It's difficult. And you see the brokenness and the, the, yeah, the way that the Lord says there are consequences for disobedience, mm-hmm. but yet on a positive note, um, the joys of, of knowing, uh, families, I guess now for 26 years, yeah. uh, youth kids that have walked imperfectly, but wanting to follow Jesus through high school and then college, and then getting married sometimes oh. to people in our youth ministry. Um, we know several couples that have known each other since high school and dated and then ended up marrying each other. And we've gotten to participate in those weddings. And mm. now they have children here. We get to baptize their children. Yeah. I say we, I mean John. And, yeah. and then to watch them now as my kids are older, they're leading them in Upward Bound. Mm-hmm. And 
um, mentoring and just shepherding their, these kids. It's just such a, like encouraging multi-generational beautiful thing that the Lord gives us to watch as we see people that choose Mm -hmm. faith and obedience. Yeah. So good, Erin. The first thing that I wanted to, that I want to say is that no family is perfect. I don't have a family of my own. I hope to one day, but if I've learned anything being here at first Pres, it's that every family is broken and is struggling in ways that I think that we just can't see mm-hmm. even the families that we put on that pedestal, you know, thinking, wow, they have it all together or their kids way better than my kids, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've just been really guilty of that and have come to see that there's nothing or no one that sin doesn't touch. And I just, uh, that just came to mind and I wanted to share, but I was thinking about, you know, just family strife and relational brokenness within a family in general is something that impacts the whole family. And for me personally, I've watched students even doubt God's goodness and uh, his love for them because of what their family is experiencing. And I think it serves as a reminder, Vanessa, what you were saying earlier, that our sin not only affects us, but it affects those around us, our family, our friends, our community sometimes as a whole. And it is it is heartbreaking, as Aaron was saying, to see and watch students wrestling, uh, one, you know, wondering if God is still faithful and still good and still cares for them and to see their faith be tested when there is, you know, family strife or just disobedience within the family. And it is so sad. Um, and then at the same time, Aaron, as you were saying, I've also, you know, on the flip side, watched students cling to God and have gotten to even walk with them as they are strengthened and encouraged in their faith because of the faith demonstrated by other family members. And so, you know, we're saying they're watching their parents or their siblings struggle with this thing and they themselves are being strengthened because of, you know, that faith demonstrated, which is beautiful. And I've even had specific conversations with students who are even encouraged by just the steadfastness of another family member and even in the midst of struggling or family strife, how they demonstrate perseverance and endurance and how they shepherd their kids in that way, which is beautiful. Yeah, both of those stories are really encouraging to me to hear y'all just knowing how long y'all have been connected and what kinds of things you've walked through and to see the reality of the fact that sin does have far reaching um, mm-hmm. consequences. And as a parent, sometimes I don't, I get afraid to hear that because I think, Oh my goodness, I'm going to screw my kids up. I really, I am. And, be, and you could almost want to push that aside in two ways, either just ignore it. Like I'm not, I'm not going to think about that. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I'm just, they're just going to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Or you could become so afraid um that you almost become immobilized but to realize it's not like you said natalie it's not gaining perfection Mm -hmm. it's that faithful walking with the lord Mm -hmm. and that involves repentance Mm -hmm. and it involves change it involves humility and it involves messing up but it's that clinging to the lord i think of the families when i was thinking about this that come to mind whose children have uh, seemingly walked away from the lord or at least living in rebellion and these would be the parents that you think if if i could model Mm, a set mm -hmm. of parents I would model them right and yet their children aren't doing any of the things that you assume a child would do when they've been raised in that way Mm -hmm. and they're having to walk through that reality that their faithfulness with the Lord isn't a guarantee Mm -hmm. that their child's life is going to look a particular way and and they have to wrestle with what do other people think like have I failed am I doing Mm -hmm. this And, and they have to 
I think the far reaching, the family consequence of that is they're just carry a burden. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are just heavy hearted. And as a parent, you will just be heavy hearted um, for the sins of your kiddos. Mm -hmm. You will carry those. But just to watch them carry them faithfully, to pray Mm -hmm. consistently, to love sacrificially, to seek wisdom, to be present, to be in it. And I just think those kids are experiencing the blessings of the Lord in ways they can't even comprehend just through the faithfulness of their parents and how beautiful it is that the Lord extends his mercy mm-hmm. to these kids um, uh, as part of his covenant family and his grace that way. And and that gives you some hope as a parent. It's not perfection, mm-hmm. right. but it's right. the faithfulness of God yeah, that's right. in that. You know, we are speaking about the ways that we experience um the consequences and consequences being good and bad of faith and disobedience corporately. And then we come together for corporate worship. And when you get to the end of of Joshua chapter eight and you, they experience the sin, the judgment, the restoration, then they have in a sense of worship service. And in it, Joshua reads all the words from the book of the law, the Mm -hmm. blessings and the curses. Mm -hmm. And they all sit around and listen to that together. And I'm just thinking, you know, as we, as we ponder the gravity of sin, and the depth of mercy and the faithfulness of the Lord. We really do that so often together by putting ourselves under God's word of hearing that, how necessary that is for us in understanding sin and understanding mm-hmm. grace, how much we need that. Can y'all have y'all found that consistently putting yourself under the word of God in worship has helped to keep in front of you that seriousness of sin and the corresponding depth of God's grace? Yeah, so something that I've even been thinking about recently is that with the nature of my job, I uh, do get to be consistently in God's Word. Uh, I'm reading, studying it, whether I'm preparing for a small group or preparing to teach Sunday school, I find myself turning to Scripture. And I don't say that to be, you know, ooh, look at me, Um, but I say it because I'm just so thankful at the end of the day. And, you know, those days when I don't feel like being in the Word or when I'm feeling lazy or discouraged, God is still, He still draws me back uh, there to His Word. And when talking about the seriousness of sin, you know, when I'm not putting myself under the Word of God, when I'm not reading it or sitting under the teaching of it in corporate worship, it is much easier for me to justify my sin, mm. um, to make excuses and to say why it's right instead of wrong. Uh, but when I do turn to scripture, I'm reading and knowing more about a God who does bring judgment and consequences for sin, who takes it very seriously, as we've mentioned. But at the same time, he's a God of immense mercy and compassion and kindness. And so I'm met with a God who is a perfect balance of those things when I turn to his word mm-hmm. and, I'm con- and I'm consistently there. It's something that you couldn't conjure up in your own mind. You can't yes. get that combination, you know? No, and I, we yeah. would screw it up, mm-hmm. but God yeah. is the perfect balance. He's not too much of this or too much of this, but he brings the perfect mix, which yeah. is so great. He's fully both. And yes. we can't comprehend yes. that unless right. we're told. <laughs> Dot Joan. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say I am so thankful. Um, just for the accountability that I have as a, a wife of John pastor, um, because I am re- required to go, but I'm also so thankful that I have that. Cause I just mm-hmm. feel like as we all are, we're so prone to wander. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need the constant push to go mm-hmm. and to pursue and to, you know, to worship. And, um, I'm never disappointed that I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
it, I could go in going, oh, I don't want to be here. But when I leave, I don't ever say that. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just, I'm thankful for our denomination in the way that it preaches the whole counsel of God. Mm-hmm. Um, the inerrancy that we believe in scripture and just the fact that as we are preaching the word, the entire word, um, we're going to be faced with sin. We can't, we can't eliminate it Mm -hmm. in the preaching. And as we hear the gospel each week, the terrible news of sin, but yet the beautiful grace of Christ offered Mm -hmm. to us. I mean, I just think that I've got to hear that. It never needs Mm -hmm. to get old. Mm -hmm. And, um, because worship realigns me as creator versus creature and reminds me of who and whose I am and what I've been saved from and my purpose in life um, and how much we need each other, mm-hmm. the fellowship. I mean, don't we know that mm-hmm. ever more because of these the past year and a half? Um, and it just is... Yeah, it's absolutely necessary in the life of a believer. I don't know how someone not being in corporate worship could continue to make it in this life as a as a Christian. I just think the Lord does something special there mm-hmm. and keeps us grounded. Mm. When I consider um, the Lord's Supper and what that is a picture of and even the command to do this in remembrance of me. I think I can't really remember the cross. I can't remember Christ's heinous death without coming face to face with how serious sin is. And you you can't honestly look at Christ's death and um, his becoming that sin and not think that the father isn't serious about sin. But also I can't look at his resurrection Mm -hmm. and I can't look at the access into the grace in which we've been given Mm -hmm. and not consider the enormity of that grace. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful and I'm struck by that. As I consider Joshua, Um, we look at all the battles and it just from our Western eyes um, and our very modern thinking, we look at those battles and think what kind of God devotes whole people to destruction Mm. and then we see all of that wrath and all of that wrath is due us because the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life and so um, God didn't change his mind about sin Mm. he still hates it and and I'm grateful for a grace that is so enormous that it assuages that wrath Mm. amen with that note of encouragement we hope you will join us again next week Let us keep you company while you go shopping for pumpkins or put together a fall wreath. If you want to see the pretty faces of Natalie and Aaron, uh, check us out on Instagram at First Pres Augusta Women or on Facebook at Women's Bible Study FPCA. Uh, We'll be talking about Joshua next week. We hope you'll listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees It is the Lord who rises With healing in His wings When comforts are declining 
He grants the soul again a season of pure shining to cheer it after the 